morning everyone on this cold autumn-like morning um, to give a title to this talk which is um, inspired by the weather uh, it's called autumn winds and uh, if we reflect on well for people who listen to this as a podcast um, who may not live in Sydney as we've been um, experiencing very very hot and humid weather it's an extremely hot summer and this weekend has been a sudden change in the temperature where we've had very strong um, winds which is sort of uh, heralding the, the beginning of colder weather and of autumn. Um, autumn is also known in the northern hemisphere by the word fall, you know the falling of leaves which is a, a wonderful um, name. I love the, the name autumn as well as the name fall. The fall has um, some kind of something biblical about it and the word um, autumn, I was just looking it up, the etymology of the word autumn and it seems like its origin means the drying up, drying up time. Things have been rich, you know, coming into fullness in summer and then autumn is the time of harvest and when things start drying up and then it's the beginning of winter. The old Irish name for it is Fogamar, which means underwinter or like the, the, the underbelly of winter as it's just beginning. And the changing of the seasons, in particular autumn, uh, where everything is dying, you know, and about to be renewed again in spring, brings to mind to me the sense of transience and also the sense of, of emptiness. And uh, it so happens um, in um, yesterday's spectrum in the Sydney Morning Herald, well, you may have noticed it, there was a poem by Looney about an autumn leaf. Not a poem, but a statement. And it's called The 2019 Interview with an Autumn Leaf. So the question, how do you feel about your forthcoming induction into the Autumn Leaf Hall of Fame? Autumn Leaf, I feel worn out and blank, as you would at the end of your life, wouldn't you? Question, yes, of course, but what do you think about being in the Autumn Leaf Hall of Fame? I feel nothing really, I don't care. If anything, I feel a bit embarrassed and stupid. I don't understand this Hall of Fame thing. Question, but this is a huge honour. You'll be famous, you'll be a legend. Most people will be blown away by such recognition. <laughs> autumn leaf, being blown away is what happens to autumn leaves anyway. So everything's okay. I suppose you're actually right, Autumn Leaf. Thanks for your time, Autumn Leaf. No worries. Thanks for the interview. Mm -hmm. And it reminds me of um, this clamour for fame, you know, and the sense of emptiness and, and transience of life. There is a poem which I've recited before from Emily Dickinson, the American um, poet. Um, and it says, I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? Then there's a pair of us. Don't tell, they'd advertise, you know. How dreary to be a somebody. How public, like a frog. 
to tell one's name the live long June to an admiring bog. Mm -hmm. This um, reflection on autumn too, for some reason, I've been thinking lately of um, maybe because it's a reflection on, on death and the passing of a life. Um, maybe it's coincidental, but I've been thinking about uh, my teacher, um, Charlotte Choco Beck, um, a lot recently, and her life, and then, then the passing of her life as a, as a, as a teacher. And uh, in one of her books, Nothing Special, she wrote um, a really wonderful chapter on emptiness which made it really accessible, I think, for people to understand. And, and it's been quoted a lot by other people. And it's about, it's called whirlpools and stagnant waters. And what she describes as a way of understanding emptiness is that there's just the river of life, you know, coming and going, the stream coming and going, water coming and going. And then forms develop in the stream and whirlpools fall, formed, you know, a little spiral of water that goes round and round and then the water goes out again. And that human beings and even, you know, rocks, trees, anything is like a form, is like a whirlpool. You know, the, the sensations of life come into us, they swirl around and then they go out again. Um, and so we're not really a whirlpool's not really separate from the river. It's got this sort of form, but it is the river. Mm -hmm. And this is a simple understanding of emptiness, of emptiness and form. Yes, there is a whirlpool, and no, there isn't a whirlpool. It's just the river coming and going, always coming and going. This is why the sense of transience and emptiness go hand in hand. If everything is transient and everything is just being born anew and then passing away, then there can't be any real substance to a form. Yes, the form is there like an autumn leaf and then it, and then it blows away in the wind and then it decays and it becomes the soil and it becomes a tree again. Everything's just changing all the time. Where can there be a permanent self in all of that? So that is the nature of life is that there's just rivers and whirlpools. But as Joko um, was emphasising in her, her chapter, um, as human beings, um, we start to think that we are the whirlpool, right, and that we're somehow separate from the river, and we create a kind of defensiveness and, a, and a, this sort of uh, overwhelming desire to survive. Mm -hmm. And we put up all barriers. And then what happens is that when we think that we're separate from life, then the whirlpool becomes stagnant. Instead of the water just coming into the whirlpool, swirling around and going out again, it get, collects all this flotsam and jetsam around it, right? Baggage, you know? And it, and it becomes stale. It just goes round and round and round and round, frothy and stale. And that's what a... That's what a a human self is, that's what the way a human self becomes when we lose our sense of connectedness with the river. You know, the freshness is lost, you know, something becomes um, stale 
um, and all of this self-clinging, this, this rigidity, um, this hanging on, this trying to be separate from the love flow of life just creates a kind of a staleness, a kind of dullness and a kind of um, uh, dissatisfaction with the experience of life. So our practice, you know, all the time here is, is to see into that very point that Joko is making there. Whatever the practice is, it's coming back to that point of emptiness all of the time. That's what Zen training brings you back to constantly. This very point that there's no real separate self there that exists separate from the river of life. And when we when we see that clearly, then that's where our life starts to transform. That's where things like depression and anxiety and excessive fear, you know, and, and dullness um, start to dissolve. And then we freshen up, you know, the autumn wind freshes us up. It's coldness, it's chilliness, uh, it brings us alive. Um, I'd like to just finish this brief talk too with a... Um, a quote from Joko from the same chapter, which brings into frame what is important about committing to Zen practice and how, you know, developing a Zen school is not like, like the autumn leaf. It's not about going into the hall of flame of famous Zen, you know, schools or whatever. It's simply just turning up to the practice. You know, and keeping the practice rigorous and keeping the practice fresh. And um, so what Joko says in this same chapter, um, which is worth quoting many times over, the truth is we don't like fresh air very much. We don't like fresh water very much. It takes a long time before we can see our defensiveness and manipulation of life in our daily activities. Practice helps us to see these manoeuvres more clearly and such recognition is always unpleasant. Still, it's essential that we see what we are doing. The longer we practice, the more readily we can recognise our defensive patterns. The process is never easy or painless, however, and those who are hoping to find a quick and easy place of rest should not undertake it. That's why I'm uneasy with the growth of the Zen Centre of San Diego. Too many seekers are looking for easy, painless solutions to their difficulties. I prefer a smaller centre, limited to those who are ready and willing to do the work. Of course, I don't expect beginners, I don't expect from beginners the same thing I expect from experienced students. We all learn as we go. Still, the bigger the centre, the more difficult it is to keep the teaching clean and rigorous. It's not important how many students we attract to the centre. What is important is maintaining strong practice. So increasingly, I'm tightening up the teaching. This is not a place to be if one is seeking an artificial peace or bliss or some other special state. 
Thank you. Let those words resonate through us.